average suicide rate in India is 10.9 for every 1 lakh people. Self-harm and suicide are topics people generally tend to avoid. And incidentally, most of these SOSs arrive around the adolescence period, the teenage period and for young adults. A lot of them who are suffering from mental health illnesses, it is a big part of their life. Today I'm joined by four of my colleagues who work with me, incredibly talented young people who work as radio presenters, writers um, in the sales department and people who at some point or the other have found themselves hitting rock bottom. This is the story of four young individuals with dreams in their eyes and a monster in their head. Mind games. Mind games. Mind games. With Anandita Chatterjee. I sit down with four very young, bright millennials. It's, I think, safe to call them millennials. They're all in the range of age 22 and 28. Um, and I talk work, depression, bipolar issues. And if they're really confusing their work stress as depression or as mental health issues. Um, I'll introduce Ratan Sambhav. He's a writer. Um, with a renowned radio station. Ratan, why don't you start with your story first? Alright, so basically it started when I passed my 12th exams. I got into a very great college of India. And I met people who were at least 10 times talented than me. So I realized there is a complexity called inferiority complex. Then it started. So I just realized ki that I, uh, I don't have that much confidence or that much talent. And uh, once I was there, I was in a very bad space. Uh, then few of my seniors took me to a spot and they were really enjoying and they started smoking up uh, When hash. you say smoking up, you mean you start taking drugs? Dr- taking drugs. That means uh, marijuana and uh, hash. Right. So we started doing that and on the first drag itself, I completely lost that inferiority complex, the complex of your understanding. Everything became very positive. Very, um, you, you had a burst of confidence at that time. Yes, I can do anything I want. So I realized this is a great getaway from that. And it actually helped me in my work because I, I became a functional addict. So I was smoking up in the morning, then work, doing my classes, then smoking up again, then doing theater for, uh, for about eight hours. And how long did it continue? I mean, how many years? Oh, three years. Three years every day, four or five joints easily. And, and apart- what time did you hit the, hit the spot where there was... I mean, of course, you've returned from there clearly yeah. because you're having a proper job and you yeah, work yeah, nine to five. But when did you hit that spot when you said that, okay, I need to quit? So basically, as soon as my college got finished, I planned to take a break for six months. But in three months into the picture, I lost all my senses. I couldn't work. I just needed some drugs. I wanted to do alcohol. I wanted to do all types of drugs because it gave me some sort of freedom, including LSD, including uh, cocaine, including uh, MD. So these are type of drugs which makes you free and makes you very confident. So in those three months period, I was into it too much. Then I realized that I think something is happening to my body because I start, started not digesting normal food. If I used to eat dal chawal, then I knew something was happening in my stomach. So I had to have so Maggie. So you felt physically ill? Yeah. So first step was I felt physically ill a lot. And that's when you decided to keep this hard. Uh, even that... And it's a very uh, difficult process to de-addict yourself, detox yourself because uh, your first 15 days is almost as compatible to hell. Because so where are you now in terms of de-addiction? So I haven't completely detoxified myself, but I am still recovering from it. I'm a functional addict right now, not. A and how does that affect your mental health? It does. It does because uh, all the time for the past three and a half years, I have a headache. 
the constant headache so i know when that doesn't happen that means i have smoked up i am on drugs and i feel light as soon as i am on my uh, normal self the headache comes back so you <clears> are <throat> in the process of de addiction yeah. if that is the right yeah, way to yeah. say it are you con- are you are you convinced you want to quit yeah i am totally convinced because uh, my work also gets suffers my relationship is getting suffered uh, my peer peer group are getting suffered i'm unnecessarily being mean i'm unnecessarily being overconfident at times so i play in extremes because of that thing okay uh my next guest today in the podcast is smriti thakur she's in sales again works with a media company and offline when we've spoken i understand that she's this um extremely vivacious and um, a girl who is supposed to be very popular amongst office peers but has this deep abyss in which she keeps going into smriti tell me your story uh it dates back to uh, my childhood i think when i was a teenager when something happened which uh, about which i couldn't talk about to people i couldn't express myself i couldn't tell people what i'd gone through and i kept it to myself for years and years uh and i think keeping that one big thing to myself that i, could, that I couldn't express which till date i don't talk about only a few people in my life uh, know about it so i think that sort of uh, remained with me for a decade and after the decade i realized that i'm not well i'm not doing fine uh what makes you realize that you're not well for example if i've had a fight normally people get angry after a fight for me expressing myself right now also i think i'm on the verge of crying because <laughs> expressing what you feel becomes very very difficult so at that point of time you realize that every time you try talking about it or even the reference of that point so that so one that was, point that in was, the teenage was, changed everything that was one trigger so uh, when something like this happens with you for a person like me i i wanted to find an escape so for me when i was in school uh, my 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 grades participating in extracurricular activities being known for what i do that was my escape if i did not perform well for example scoring 80% is good but for me scoring a 90% was better than scoring in 80%. I used to judge myself for not scoring good in 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 examinations, for not participating in everything which happens in college or school. Uh, I used to consider ki nahi I've not been able to live up to the expectations that I've set for myself. So it's not the expectations of others that that really affects you but your own expectations. So Smriti from the point you figured out that there is a issue which I'm I'm sure when you were growing up at that time in teenage this mental health issue was not a narrative people were discussing about. Uh, till the time i think i was not 25 i did not even know a lot about these issues and 25 you really grown up at 25 sure. a lot of people start their families at 25 correct so at at that point of time when you realized that something's happening but you couldn't put a finger to it and now that you are you, you are a working adult and you live alone in a city yeah. away from home uh are you in the path of getting better or have things yes, not changed definitely uh, a lot of things have changed when you've suffered for a very very long time even if it's a physical pain it's it's an ailment when you've suffered for a very long time it takes a lot of time to recover so it's a process it's a gradual and a slow process for a lot of people so talking to people about it and it's about the first time when you start talking to people then there's a group that you're very comfortable with you can talk to the second person third person and when you start talking about it that is when you start healing uh if if i would have kept it to myself i wouldn't have ever consulted a psychiatrist 
but now i have i was on medication but then i wanted to stop depending on the medication because medication comes with a lot of side effects and dependency so i wanted to move out of it i i am still working on it i've improved my lifestyle what i consume what i eat for example what ratan said right now that he has this constant headache i used to think i have migraine since childhood it was not migraine these are tension headaches these are anxiety headaches there, there are a lot of symptoms like getting up from the bed in the morning is a task i used to wake up at 7 still i used to keep lying on the bed till 10 till 9:30 finding that courage to get up and even brush your teeth or change your clothes or get ready that also takes a lot of courage and strength so you're in the process of getting better yes. you've made some progress in that area yes i have but still there's a long long way to go and i know that but but acknowledging the fact that there's something wrong that needs to be rectified is the first step okay akshita you're a writer and um, yeah. i understand that off late you feel depressed and anxious and a host of emotions that you have not been able to reconcile with tell us your story so uh the first i think it 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 goes back to when i was in 10th and it was my 16th birthday and and uh, for one for one month i was just wishing that please god i do not want to i do not want to see myself turning 16 and i want to die and at that point it felt fill me but now when i look back i uh, is it's scary because a if a child of 16 is saying that you know he or she wants to commit suicide then there is a serious problem and then i was then i i always was a bright student like i i scored good marks in 10th and then i took science and in 12th i think i hit uh, I, i hit rock bottom because i failed throughout the year and that's that's not something people ex- expected out of me and so and i was beaten up i, I was literally beaten up by my father and mother because it thought that i was being notorious but i just couldn't study and still i managed to somehow get uh, something in 80s and i got admitted to a college which was not again a very good college so at what time amongst uh, amidst this turning 16 suicidal thoughts to college where i'm not so happy and it's not up to mark and corporal punishment and physical hitting and physical abuse really where in that spot did you figure out okay i'm suffering emotionally i didn't suffer it then it was only when i after 4 years i went to bombay for my post graduation and again started hitting that rock bottom and i you know started reading up stuff on the internet that you know I, it was only then i realized that i have been you know f- facing this depression or anxiety whatever it is since then and it is it has not been cured yet and so so you're was, saying that although you've identified the problem you're not in the path of recovery no i'm not i'm i am too afraid to go for a therapy uh i don't know because so some, you've not consulted anyone no i have i have not like have i have spoken to your friends about it i have but not not very openly like there are days when i just text someone in the middle of the night and you know they probably calm me down for some time but it doesn't help like it just keeps coming back to me and i am too scared to go out and take help for some reason and like ratan and smriti mentioned you have um do these physically manifest on your body yes it does i have gained weight like anything in last 5 6 years and and even if i try to lose weight it just doesn't go because there's so much mental pressure that i i can't let go of and my last guest today is uh, vidit sharma he's a radio personality vidit i understand that um you're all of 22 and you've been suffering for a while yeah Um can you tell me your story? 
Um, it all started uh, back, I think, when I was in class 11. I, I started feeling very sad and I was very upset all the time. And I used to randomly start crying. But then suddenly, all of a sudden, I was fine again. And then the next year, again in 12th, it started happening to me that I was I was crying. But then again, I was fine. And then again, college first year, second year, third year. And it just kept on happening every year. Like my year was divided in two. Like I used to cry. I used to have my bad days. And then I used to have amazing days. But uh, till about 2018, I uh, hit a point where I wanted to kill myself. Like legit, just I wanted to be done with this. Like, like all those intensities, like the amazing days were getting better and better. The sad days were getting sadder and sadder. So that was my problem. And so you were living in extremes. I was living in extremes. So what did you? Uh, so when these suicidal thoughts came and you wanted to go kill yourself, at what what point was it? Okay, I need to get my life back, or I need to get my life together. When I wanted to kill myself, I thought that this is something which is getting out of hands, and I decided that I should go for therapy because I I was just reading on the internet that okay, you should, this is the right way to go about it. So I went for a therapy session, and uh, then I was uh, told that uh, okay, if you want to kill yourself, this is something serious. You should probably consult a psychiatrist, and I did. So your therapist told you to go get medicine. My uh, no. told you to go to a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. Yeah. So I went to a psychiatrist and I was, uh, so we had a chat for about an hour. She asked me a lot of questions and I was diagnosed uh, with bipolar affective disorder, according to her. Do you understand what it means? Yes, in I do. Language? Yeah, yeah, I okay. do. Okay, what does it mean? I had two sides of my lives. I was either living in high, like as to what she told me, like I had highs in my life and I had lows in my life. Earlier, it wasn't bothering me because the highs were normal and the lows were normal. But gradually, the extremes become uh, just had a lot of difference between them. So uh, it was just getting very scary. And I understood what was happening. And I was given medications, which I was prescribed three medications, uh, which I did not take because uh, I got to know uh, there's a lot of dependency and everything and I had a lot of issues I started realizing that uh, some of it are attention issues some of it is anxiety I have self-esteem issues I started thinking it's depression and it, it was just too many thoughts in my mind and I was just getting really frustrated so from the moment you went to the psychiatrist and got the medicines but did not have them to moving to a therapist for regular I understand you go for regular counseling yeah, yeah every week okay that's very regular. So from that point, where are you now? I have actually taken an escape route. That's where I am. Like I know I'm fine around people, but I know that I still want to kill myself when I'm alone. So what I do is that I'm never alone. No, what I'm asking is from the moment you you were diagnosed to now, hmm. have you progressed in your mental health issue? A little bit, yes. A little bit, yes. And so you're saying the therapy did help and yes, the counselling did. did help. It did, it did. And you're working on yourself. Yes, yes. On a regular basis. We've heard all the stories and I think they all have a sort of merging pattern somewhere. Very young people uh, with lots of expectations from themselves. Not quite turning out. In fact, if you just uh, rewind back and hear their stories, you will see that the time around they hit puberty and the time around they hit their teenage um I think they start building more expectations out of themselves than other people did. And somewhere the expectation lapse and the outcome were that kind of started it all. And of course, coupled with other things. Now, guys, all of you are working individuals now. For all of you, this is your pretty much the first job. My first question is, how much do your 
mental health issues affect work on a daily basis ratan would you like to start so i think it works both ways actually because the kind of work pressure i am in it requires a lot of creativity at every point of time so no matter how much you try we have limited number of ideas in our pocket but the job demands it i didn't imagine my 23 year old to be like this no so, my question was does your mental health issue or does your de addiction process okay. affect work i'm saying the fact that you have constant headaches hmm. the fact that you do lapse onto drugs the fact hmm. that you there are days that you're uh, on your knees and wanting one joint hmm. how does that affect work it does because that's what i was saying that my job demands a type of creativity every time but if i am not in my comfortable space in my mind i won't be able to perform at every hour so do you feel that you know your your performance suffers thus your rating suffers thus your mm. growth suffers are those things you think in your alone time not too much actually because 25% of the time i'm not thinking about these things i need to do a lot of things in my life so i need to think about that also but this is a major part because uh, i really feel that both of work pressure and mental issue working side by side in my life at least because if if it's a good day then ha- doesn't matter how much the work pressure is i will be able to sail through but if it's a bad day if a normal script doesn't get it doesn't get selected my day is going into deep shit my mental issue is totally not in my hands so sure, it isn't that's what yeah. i'm saying so, so that's why my mondays might be the worst days but my wednesdays are crazy because no it doesn't matter how big a pressure is i will be able to tackle it so do you feel trapped uh, i do i do it's like someone else running your show mm. more like there is a harness on my head telling me to do this and to do that and not to do that it's it's more of a situation where i need to act according to someone's else will rather than my own right akshita um i mean you're in the creative services as well um and of course um it is pretty cutthroat in this world and everywhere else now yeah how do you tackle your bad days like ratan said there are bad days how do you tackle it uh I try too hard and too hard. I mean, although it doesn't help, but you have to. So I can maybe you know work for half an hour at my seat, and then I'll go to the washroom, uh, cry for some time, you know, get that temporary catharsis, and then I'll come back to my seat and start working. So that's how I take it, basically. So you literally have these little pockets of, um, you know, check out of your work. Yes. Go heal yourself and come back to work. Yes. do you feel um inadequate because of this do you feel that oh you know my peers who probably don't have the issue are getting ahead of me oh yes definitely all the time because uh, because of so much mental pressure i am very careless i have made mistakes that i cannot believe that i have made them but it's all because there's there's so much going in my head that i cannot concentrate on my work fully so i make sometimes really silly mistakes at my work and and you know and then obviously i get bogged down for it and then i feel that you know people who are not deserving are you know going ahead and i'm still there because of these mistakes right smriti you're in a very hard sales job you literally have to go sell concepts sell events deal with very very annoying clients um and you're on medication how do you deal with the side effects of medication and yet put yourself to and i can see you're very well put out you never have a badly dressed day you never have a bad hair day and you're perfectly put and from a distance nobody can tell so how do you if i may say manage this sharad so uh I have a totally uh, opposite approach to it for some reason for me uh, like I said the things that gave me happiness became my escape route 
So work gives me a lot of happiness. When I go back home, just because I stay alone, so when I go back home on a Friday night, I know that now these 48 hours I'll spend doing nothing but sitting at home, either watching something on my laptop or, or playing music and staring at the ceiling. So for me, coming back to office on a Monday morning is something that I look forward to. Working and getting results in work is something that I look forward to. If at all, there's something which is not going on right, like Akshata said. Even I have those moments wherein I'll work on my laptop for two hours, I'll... I'll have this moment wherein I'll feel as if something's wrong. I'll start shivering. I'll start sweating. I'll go to the washroom, cry my heart out, wash my face, come back to my seat and start working as if nothing happened. Nothing has happened at all. So, I, of course, your work work ha gets, gets affected by all of this. Your work, and especially in a field like mine where I have to deal with a lot of people. So, so uh, I don't know how to express it. Something which gives you, which makes you feel happy and and you start looking f uh, at people for validation. For example, if there's a project that I've worked with on you, I want you to say good things about it. Probably if you say bad things about it, even if it's a positive, positive feedback, which I'm supposed to take positively, somewhere deep in my mind, that thing will keep replaying in my head. Not that I'm feeling bad about it, but just because I feel that I haven't lived up to your expectations. So that feeling is completely different. It's not, I don't feel sad about it, but I, I... Feel as if you I've worry done something. About it. I worry about it. There's, there's a constant worry in my head that, oh, I did not live up to that person's expectations. And people look for validation. That's the only thing. That's why when I took a break of two weeks, because I knew, I knew that I won this break. I took heavy medication in those 14 days. I knew that if I come to office in these 14, 15 days, I wouldn't be able to focus on my work. Smriti, because out of all four of you, you're the only one on medication. Can you tell me what are the side effects that you um, face? You feel groggy. You you feel sleepy all the time. Uh, you I, you're either eating or you're not eating at all. I was on medication to increase my appetite. So after taking that medication, that medicine for like ten fifteen days, I ate so much. Like right now, also I have these phases where either I eat a lot or I don't eat anything at all. So my weight fluctuates because of that. So for a person, for a normal person who, who who's not uh, suffering through this, that person's like, oh, you've lost a lot of weight, you look so pretty, but I don't take that as a compliment. A lot of people suffering from this don't take it as a compliment because I know what's going on inside me. When you don't eat, your body also does not function. So th I don't know, There's, th I think I can speak about it f for like hours and hours, but at times I just can't talk about it to anyone. I just want to sit in my room silently and I just want to lie on my bed and, and do absolutely nothing at all. With it, you are a public figure, which basically means that you interact with audiences, people listen to you, you are an MC, you're a stand-up comic, which is pretty ironic, you know, mm. but as they say, uh, we often convert our pain into laughter. Correct. Um, tell me, how does it affect your public life? Okay, so what happens is, uh, what I think my public life actually is a mess, but at the same time, I think is a blessing as well, because there are bad days where I if I have a show I, I like there have been moments where I'm backstage and I'm crying and my manager has come and told me that you are going on stage in 15 minutes and I know that there are 300 people and I have to go out there and make them laugh so I think that makes them pretty tough because when you can't face your own self it's very hard to be in front of 300 people cracking jokes and uh, but at the same time if it works it gives you validation and there's Instant validation and suddenly in 30 seconds you're fine.
So it's literally like Prozac. Like yeah. It's literally like medication for you. Yeah. That kind of instant exactly. gratitude. Yeah. There are two sides to it. One is, uh, even when you're going through this, you don't want people to know about it because your work or, or, or your social image matters so much to you that you don't want people to know about it. So even if you come step out of the washroom, you work out with a smile on your face. That's a fake smile. You know it. But you don't want anyone else to see what you're going through. So you'll go and crack a joke maybe. Just because you don't want people to know about it. Okay, guys, because all of you are young and we are talking about all this, do you feel stigmatized? Because I know for a fact that all of you at certain point of time have confided in a colleague who's probably made fun of it, who's probably said things like, Are tujhe aise lag rahe. oh, you're just thinking it, overthinking this. Have you heard these, these words like overthinking it, uh, drama, attention seeking, because I remember Vidit mentioning it. Do you think that these things have been told to you in a way you felt stigmatized oh yes of course i have i am jokingly being called the saddest person on earth throughout the day because people think that you're just always sad you're always complaining and you know i am not satisfied about anything and yes they do make fun of it and i mean and i have no option but to take it as a joke i mean you know i might laugh then and there with them when they make these jokes but when i go back home and i'm in my bed I do think about it and and it makes me feel like am I not like am I not worthy of something more like there's so much more to me than my depression or my anxiety or my being sad or me cribbing but nobody notices it it's all about like ye to hamesha roti rehti hai Ratan, you um, know, I just want to add this point because uh, I'm the one person who's gonna. I've been making fun of this part because I'm battling my own uh, fights and she's battling us. So we are in a weird, weird sort of energy here because uh, I always uh, show my pain through laughter. I have this problem that even somebody slaps me, I laugh. So, Ratan, I why I'm asking this question to you is: Have you been called? Yeah, this is charsi. Ah, all the time. So how, how do you take this? This is charsi, this is ganjeri, this is drugs. Karta hai. Like that kind of, uh, I'm sure that kind of uh, banter goes on at in your, uh, you know, peer group. And hmm. you probably are that person. But how do you deal with it then? And how and do you take, process it? And does it involve more hurt? Ki tum, you guys are not getting it, you know? Or, i, or is it your escape route again? So... Earlier used to you pain a lot because everybody used to say that हाँ ये तो चर्ची है इसको क्या करना है ये भूल जाएगा and lot of things मतलब you get your memory goes haywire so at one point of time I was only my friends my बचपन के दोस्त will only always call me कि भाई थोड़ा चरस मिलेगा my even I'm talking after this guy after nine years and he calls me and says कि bro एक चरस दिला दे so you get stereotyped or all the time so and that's what humor comes in कि if if somebody is telling me Charsi, then I will tell you that I will give you a book. My self-defense mechanism is in such a way that if you tell me I am a Charsi, I will make two, three, four more jokes on that. So sure. my humor becomes my weapon or uh, defense, defense mechanism. mechanism altogether. I think uh, unintentionally, just because people don't understand what you are going through, so unintentionally people just tend to tell you oh maybe take a break of a day or two or or maybe go somewhere or go back home you'll feel better but i think going back home or spending a day alone at home or or going on a trip or a vacation does not does not heal it you have to feel happy or good from within for example uh, when i took this break that i spoke about uh, one person hugged me and said just go back home and do absolutely nothing switch off your phone switch off your laptop and do things that make you happy 
एंड दी अदर पर्सन जस्ट लाव डोवर कि तू पागल है कि मतलब ये सब ठीक हो जाता है ये ठीक हो जाएगा ये हाइज एंड लोज है लाइफ के और वैसे भी सेल्स में ऐसा होता रहता है सो पीपल हैव डिफरेंट रिएक्शंस टू इट बट डू यू आल्सो थिंक दैट समटाइम्स दैट रिस्पांस व्हिच इज नॉट वेरी कंफर्टेबल कम्स फ्रॉम द फैक्ट दैट द पर्सन रियली डजंट नो व्हाट टू से एब्सोल्युटली एब्सोल्युटली दैट्स व्हाई आई सेड अनइंटेंशनली पीपल टेंड टू टॉक अबाउट इट इन अ वे बिकॉज़ दे डोंट नो अबाउट इट फॉर एग्जांपल टू द टाइम आई वाज नॉट 25 इन केस एनीवन वुड हैव स्पोकन टू मी अबाउट इट मे बी आई वुड हैव रिएक्टेड द सेम वे एज़ अ पर्सन इज रिएक्टिंग बिकॉज़ दैट पर्सन डज नॉट हैव अ लॉट ऑफ नॉलेज अबाउट इट Also, Smriti, like I, I have seen people calling you workaholic, and you also sometimes play along because I think that's the only way you yeah, hide it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like yeah, yeah, I am workaholic. I enjoy work because a lot of people call you workaholic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that comes with a lot of sarcasm, though. But uh, uh, yes, at times you have to accept things the way they are because when you're going through something that a lot of people don't know about, and especially this, uh, your reaction to everything is emotional. You either tend to laugh over it or you cry over it. with it of course we've spoken about the fact that you're often often called attention seeker yeah. uh but tell me uh, do you feel stigmatized when you're continuously hearing this ki isko attention chahiye see i uh, used to mind but now i think i don't because a lot of people don't understand that validation lack of validation and uh, lack of attention is actually also a disorder because sometimes people are actually working for it and especially in the um, industry i'm working in like being a radio jockey i know i have people's attention if when i'm on stage i know i have people's attention so all of these things uh, you know have made my brain start functioning in a way where i want people's attention and you know uh, also the thing is i will not usually interact with people i've actually stopped interacting with people off late but when i do it's only just to make them laugh to, or to have a good conversation so that i can feel happy i want to see you happy being around me that's my validation so if you're happy around me then even if i'm sad i'm fine but you need to be happy when when you're with me right so we will close this guys firstly thank you so much for speaking your heart out i know it's not easy because as you know this podcast will be out and millions of people will be listening to you so and in some way they will be able to identify you because uh, social media finds people out uh, but my only point is that uh, guys uh, let's close this with some last thoughts about your plans to heal and if i tell you three th- if i ask you what are the three things you're going to do this year um to heal yourself what will those three things be i i've actually started i'm i'm doing 10 pages a day i'm doing gymming and i you mean 10 pages of journaling no 10 pages of reading oh. just right 10 pages of reading 10 minutes of meditation and gymming which is something which i started doing okay smriti uh, i think i've always been someone who's focused a lot of lot on people around her so uh, at times you need to make yourself the the center of your universe which i don't know how to do it but but i've started doing things that make me happy for example if someone's asking me to chill with them they've asked me once twice but i don't feel like doing that so i will not so that is one way of of uh, making yourself happy if if going back home does not for example i stay away from my parents but but there are vacations where we're forced to go back home forced in the sense that it's just for yeah, it's, it's a just, pattern which yeah. has been happening from the it's past 10 years so if i don't feel like going back home i will not go back home and maybe spend time with my friends or alone so i will do that besides that uh, yes uh, people dealing with anxiety and depression they tend to have a very unhealthy lifestyle so focusing on good eating and working out a little bit because I know that I don't have the strength to go to the gym in the morning or in the evening after I go back home. So maybe practice yoga for ten minutes, or maybe go for a walk. Small little things. So lifestyle changes. Second, 
third spend as much time with your family and friends that you can because in the past 5 years i think i've avoided everyone everyone who's who loves me or who cares about me so yes that. ratan three things that you're going to do this year to help your road to recovery so uh, i don't know about three but i know one thing for sure that i'm going to stop comparing my life Oh, absolutely. I'm going to stop comparing this because I I have been comparing my life from whole set of people who are too much different from me. So I don't know his life is better than mine or his creativity is better than mine or his funny question is better than I'm going to stop that. So I don't know about three things but one thing for sure I'm going to stop comparing at every level. Akshita, what are your three things? So uh one is definitely going to the gym. I've started also like for past 3 months I've been working out. uh second is writing which is where i want to make a career also so i'm going to be you know focusing more on my writing i really want to you know write good stuff and third i i didn't think about but as you know ratan said that i have to stop comparing myself i'm somebody who's very competitive by nature like very competitive so i have to stop comparing myself to others thank you thanks guys mind games mind games mind game with anandita chatterjee